looking for high-quality supplements to complement your healthy, low-carb, high-fat, ketogenic lifestyle? Well, look no more as I've teamed up with ketogenic practitioner and my Keto Talk podcast co-host, Dr. Adam Nally, to create the Keto Living line of supplements. Go to ketoliving.com to see our first two items available for you, the Keto Essentials Multivitamin and the Berberine Plus Blood Sugar Control Formula. Dr. Nally himself hand-selected the key nutrients included in the Keto Essentials multivitamin, including vitamin D, methylated folate for those with the MTHFR gene mutation, vitamin B12, CoQ10, and so much more. And if you are concerned about elevated blood sugar and cholesterol levels, then check out our customized product called Berberine Plus, which combines the anti-inflammatory power of berberine with therapeutic levels of chromium and banaba leaf. And we're just getting started on the Keto Living brand of ketogenic focused supplements in 2017, including the first ever high fat meal replacement powder to help you ditch those problematic protein powders coming soon. Go to ketoliving.com to get your hands on these exciting new supplements to enhance your ketogenic diet. Ketoliving.com. Hey guys, Dave Korzynski is back here with us again today from Heads Up Health. Visit their website, headsuphealth.com. And Dave, you've had a lot of great new features added to your health tracking software. And today you've got this thing called a glucose ketone index. Tell us where that came from. So the glucose ketone index comes from work done by Dr. Seafried, who I know you've had on the show. And it allows you to compare the ratio of glucose to ketones in your bloodstream at any given time. And there are ranges that have been identified for different metabolic therapies. So Dr. Seafried and team had a range for cancer treatment where the index actually is three or less. And some of our users who are managing type 2 diabetes or obesity are using a range that's slightly higher than that. And there are ranges for optimal ketosis. So within the software, you can enter your glucose in milligrams per DL or millimoles per liter. Enter your ketones will automatically calculate the index. You can store it, add any notes that you want to keep track of, and then compare it to any other health metrics that you're collecting. And so many of my listeners are tracking their health for a wide variety of purposes. So definitely you guys go check out headsuphealth.com and you can see all of these great features about how you can track your own progress on your ketogenic diet, your fasting, or even some of these therapeutic reasons why you would be testing. So headsuphealth.com. Coming up in episode 1212, Dr. Kate Shanahan. Connecting and educating and making the world a more informed and healthier place. You're listening to the Live in La Vida Low Carb Show with Jimmy Moore. You've helped change so many lives and give us all the courage to take on the rest of the world. This is the longest running health podcast on the air today. You've done so much to spread the word about how diet matters. Over 1,000 episodes strong and counting. The amount of lives that you've changed at this point is incalculable. And now, here's our host and international best-selling author. You're like the LL Cool J of podcasts. Jimmy Moore. 
Today's featured audio is from the Low Carb Vail Conference that took place in Vail, Colorado last February. And don't miss this year's Low Carb Breckenridge Conference coming February 24th through the 26th, 2017 in Breckenridge, Colorado. Go to theliveinlowcarbshow.com to get more information about the Low Carb Breckenridge Conference. I'm Dr. Kate Shanahan. I'm a family practice doctor. I uh, just moved to Denver about a year ago. I was a regular primary care doctor for 20 years. Then I decided to go into metabolic health. Um, and that was going pretty good. And then um, we got a book deal. So uh, now I can't do both at once. So I'm having to cancel patients, unfortunately. But uh, these are the books. I forgot to make a slide. So these are the books that uh, we've already written. We're going to expand, update, and re-release this one, Deep Nutrition, Why Your Genes Need Traditional Food. And in here is a chapter that is really going to... Um, uh, that is a lot of what I'm talking about today, the lipids. And I'm really happy to have uh, been selected to, to, to get this topic because it's like the juicy topic of the conference. Is if it weren't for people telling us that we have to worry about cholesterol, we would be free to eat what we feel like eating. So it's kind of like we got to get, we got to understand why that's okay, and it's nice to have some ammunition of our own too if anybody wants to argue with us. So this talk is really a lot about good fats and bad fats. And what I want to talk about is that there is something very important that goes on inside factories that corrupts what can go on inside those chubby cheeks. And not just the fat under our skin, of course, but the fat everywhere in our body. Uh, particularly the fat that can build up in our arteries. <coughs> so what, I want, what, you know, what we want to understand is how does it get here? Because if we can understand this at a chemical level, we can stop heart disease and we can make a lot of other connections that can help us understand how to keep our entire body healthy. Now, MDs don't really know. Um, what causes arteriosclerosis. This is from the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute. And they say right there, somewhat shockingly, honestly, the exact cause of heart disease isn't known. However, we've got some of these ideas and um, we, say, we think it's a disease that starts in childhood and we think it has something to do with smoking, um, certain fats, high blood pressure, and uh, diabetes. So how many children do you know that have, that smoke or that have diabetes and have high blood pressure? So right there you can see there's something a little bit wrong with their logic. They don't actually have a theory that ties all these factors together very well. They think it has something to do with inflammation, but they don't really get where that's all coming from. So how well does their model work? Well, not surprisingly, not very well, because they don't really, they admit, they don't really understand what they're doing. Um, so uh, right now, their model says that 33% of adults in this country will end up getting placed on a statin if their doctors are compliant with the guidelines. And statins are not actually super safe. Um, they cause a lot of things, as a lot of you know. They interfere with some basic uh, biological functions and can end up causing muscle aches, memory problems. They, um, the heart is a muscle, so it can cause heart failure. Um, it actually can also interfere with the immune system. And so I've seen a lot of people getting weird and sometimes fatal, tragically, infections um, when they're on these things. Um, and then this pharmaceutical intervention, that's the best that they have, um, 
still fails about 75% of the time. They have a fancy name for it. They don't want to call it failure. It's residual risk. Sounds much better. Um, so this is just a slide showing all the different studies that show different ranges of residual risk, somewhere as low as 62 to maybe like 80-something. Is, uh, is the That's a lot of residual risk. And so the underlying theory that they have got in their heads is that LDL is inherently bad. Okay, they say, we all know, we now we all know that all LDL particles are atherogenic, not just big ones, not small ones. And they are basing this on the idea that um, there's a disease called, called familial hyperlipidemia, where people are genetically inclined to have elevated LDL levels and get heart attacks early. And they have big fluffy particles, which, uh, you know, for a while people were saying big fluffy particles are fine. It's only the little small ones that are bad. But they have these big fluffy particles mostly, and they still have heart attacks. So now we know, that proves it, that um, all LDL is bad. LDL is something that we really, we shouldn't have any in our body. But we do, and actually all animals do, and... That means that really all of nature is wrong. Okay. <laughs> I can buy that for one second. So I think what makes more sense is that that idea is wrong, right? Something else is going on here. And I just wanted to point out um, one of the funny ideas that they, that they suggest is these are, these are different lipoprotein particles and sizes. And when we eat food, it comes into our body through the gut and gets packaged into the first lipoprotein called the chylomicron. It's the biggest ones. And so, and so the chylomicrons circulate around and then uh, deliver the food that we just ate to various tissues in the body that may want it. Um, and then they become a little bit smaller and they become the VLDL particles. Um, and then those, uh, the liver actually makes those, and they circulate around, and uh, the body gets another shot at what, what was in there. And then they become a little bit smaller. Uh, at some point in the journey, they're called LDL particles again. As you can see, there's a trend here. They're all getting smaller. And that's because they're basically emptying out. And what is the smallest lipoprotein particle? These are like the small, dense, bad ones that they talk about. And you can see that they're actually bigger than the biggest HDL, which is the so-called good cholesterol. And why am I pointing that out? Well, because one of the things that they say, um, is actually the second bullet point on there, that is the reason that small dense LDL is supposedly bad is because it's so small, it's sneaky, it can sneak into the um, arterial lining and then where it oxidizes in an unknown manner like that. <laughs> We're really sure about a lot of this stuff, but we have no clue about kind of the most important thing, the oxidation part. And um, also they say that LDL is bad because if it has a prolonged stay at the surface of the endothelial, so like if it's lazy or something, um, it will also result in oxidation by an unknown manner. Hmm. What's going on with this oxidation? Who can possibly tell us more about oxidation of things like fats and sugar and protein? They're, they're actually 
turns out that there are people who specialize in this, and um, we call them organic chemists. Um, but far be it from the cardiologists and the you know MD doctors and the surgeons to ask for help from another another group of people who are nowhere near the sexy rock stars. They don't get to say things like, "We're you're a ticking time bomb. I'm gonna you know I'm gonna crack your chest open and save you from this thing that's about to kill you in your body." So they don't just like cross that aisle, right? They don't go there. Um, and they can really, they really could help us out. Um, and that's uh, going to be the subject of the next little section of my talk. So this dude, Dr. Gerhard Spiteller, is a really nice Austrian guy. He is an organic chemist rock star. He, he's been working forever in the field. And he actually discovered an antibiotic in the 50s. It doesn't happen very often. He's brilliant, and he's very patient. He's, he's written 151 articles, and the last like 40 or 50 or so are all for doctors, and we're not paying any attention because he's saying exactly how all those mysterious oxidation things that were like by an unknown mechanism, he can explain all that. So I'm, I'm just going to kind of go over some of that so that so that you can understand that there's a lot to be gained from learning the language of our cells, which is chemistry, and it's not all that complicated. And he must be a really great guy because he's written, the, like I said, the last 40 articles all by himself pretty much, and, um, and, he's, and no one's paying any attention. The doctors that he's writing for are not paying attention, and he's still smiling. <laughs> must be a saint. So um, he's fabulous, okay? And I think it's also pretty fabulous to talk about what you think is fabulous, which is what he's doing. Um, and I think chemistry is fabulous. Now what's not fabulous, <laughs> probably <laughs> heard about this guy. Okay, Ansel Keys, the father of the so-called diet heart hypothesis. He started this whole conversation about fats supposedly Kill, killing us, giving us heart attacks. And, uh, you know, who is he? He's not a doctor. He's, he's not even, um, like, a person physiologist. He's an eel physiologist. And somehow he got involved in all this. He got involved in this, like, after something about making K-rations and putting chewing gum in the military, um, uh, the K rations, which is what the military got fed in World War II. He named it K after himself. Not much of an ego there. Um, and so he kind of, his career was driven, I think, by that ego a little bit because he really wanted to prove that he had the answer to heart disease. And he used things like statistics, which we all know how reliable those are. He actually fudged the statistics, and I think there's probably other people have been talking about that. He, probably know that, the seven country study and all this. But the other thing that he did was he understood chemistry better than the doctors he was talking to, and so he knew how to pull a little rabbit out of a hat chemical-wise. So what he did was the articles that got him, he actually had some published articles. Um, it wasn't all just hype and statistics. He did some, some experiments in the lab with animal feeding studies. He fed mice. Um, saturated fat and looked at their LDL levels and their arteries and stuff like this. And 
the mice that got more saturated fat had higher LDL levels and worse looking <coughs> arteries. And so when he talked about this, he said saturated fat, saturated fat. And the doctors he was talking to thought, okay, saturated fat, butter. But he didn't use butter in his experiments. He used margarine. He used saturated fat that had been hydro it was hydrogenated vegetable oil. And so margarine actually honestly isn't even, even saturated fat. It's really trans fat and a lot of breakdown products of polyunsaturated fatty acids. So he could pull the wool over the eyes of a generation, now two, now three, do of doctors because we don't pay attention to the chemistry that we are supposed to learn in order to get into medical school. So Keyes and others like him are the reason that we're on the defensive here with our LCHF because this is the kind of thing that can happen um, when you're on a when you go from a lower fat diet to a higher fat diet, you can have your LDL cholesterol be higher than it ever was before. And this is from a real patient of mine who never had an issue with high cholesterol or high LDL until he started, you know, cutting out all the sugars and eating what, you know, a normal, what I would call a normal diet, including some healthy fats in there. And so he was very distressed and um, like many of my patients do, they're like, well, is this a problem? What do I do about it? And how do I know? And, uh, you know, it freaks us out, freaks people out, naturally, understandably. So we only say it's bad because of that kind of theory that, you know, nature doesn't know anything about LDL and what is it doing in making it. And they say that LDL is able to lead to all this. So this is the process of arteriosclerosis and the key things are that, so you start out with nice clean arteries, then you get this oxidized LDL somehow and you start getting a fatty streak and then you get um, more uh, accumulation of oxidized LDL particles under here and that attracts white blood cells which lead to unstable plaques, which lead to plaque rupture, which leads to a clot and that's the heart attack. So everybody agrees this is an inflammatory process, but um, what the cardiologists and the American Heart Association and a lot of doctors that aren't low-carb, high-fat yet um, don't get is where this inflammation is coming from. So they say it's LDL, and I and the chemist, um, thanks to the chemist, I say it's what's inside the LDL that's, that's causing all this. Um, and so this is the chemistry of what's inside the, L inside the LDL. So I'm gonna break this down for you because it's a lot of little shapes um, right now. So this is, um, what we have here is on the very top, it's just an example of a polyunsaturated fatty acids. And so these are in, uh, an, well, you've heard of polyunsaturated fatty acids. They're essential fats, omega-3 and omega-6 are, types of polyunsaturated fatty acids. They're from animal product, animal fats and plant fats, especially when the animals um, are grass-fed. They're also in the animal products because the, the grass gives you more omega-3. Um, and so on the top, you know, it's an essential fat. It's a good thing. Um, this stuff that happens here is what oxidative stress looks like chemically. I think a number of people have talked about oxidative stress. And um, this is in a large part where it comes from, the fact that these polyunsaturated fatty acids react with iron and oxygen in the bloodstream to cause all this mishmash here and 
the, and in the process, they, um, they cause oxidative stress, they damage a lot of other biomolecules, they disrupt enzymes, and um, in the end, you get these polyunsaturated fatty acid oxidation products. These are also very bad. They disrupt um, enzymes, they, if they're in your membrane, they're gonna promote more of this happening, um, so they're kind of a little bit of a vicious cycle. So that's the chemistry of polyunsaturated fatty acids that really, it turns out, explains a lot. So here we go. Oh, and by the way, so, so these things, these polyunsaturated fatty acids, they are in our food, and so they get into our bodies, and then they get into our lipoproteins, and then they get into our tissues. And if they're in good shape, all those things are in good shape. But if they're oxidized or partially oxidized, all those things are jeopardized. Their health is jeopardized, their function is jeopardized, and they're likely to cause oxidative stress and all the diseases that we know are associated with oxidative stress, which is like everything. Um, especially brain-related diseases because the brain is extremely rich in polyunsaturated fatty acids, as is the entire nervous system. Have you tried the Jigsaw Electrolyte Supreme yet? It replenishes minerals, B vitamins, and electrolytes that are lost daily through sweat, urination, occasional diarrhea, and exercise. A Live in La Vida low-carb show listener named Tricia writes, I listened to your podcast on the iPhone app and have enjoyed your sponsor Jigsaw Health, where you talked about the electrolytes lemon lime for $10 off with coupon code LLVLC. My feet and legs cramp up often, even though LC CHF two and a half years, and then keto half year after that for three years total eating well. I wondered if the electrolytes would help, so I used your coupon code. First night of drinking the mixture all day, no cramps, slept well, and every night since. Just reordered the three-pack this time, saving more money and using your code once again. Thank you, it really tastes good and works great. I use twice the amount of water they suggest, or it's too sweet for me, so I put a scoop in 16 ounces or half a scoop in eight ounces instead of one in eight. So join Trisha, get Jigsaw Electrolyte Supreme, head on over to lowcarbelectrolytes.com and definitely use the coupon code LLVLC at checkout to save $10 off of your order. Again, it's called Jigsaw Electrolyte Supreme. Are you a fan of fasting and looking for a podcast dedicated to the fine art of not eating? Well, listen in on Fridays for my brand new podcast. It's called Fasting Talk with Jimmy Moore and Dr. Jason Fung featuring Megan Ramos. We'll be answering your questions all about intermittent, alternate day, and extended fasting. It's a fun-filled, fast-paced show dedicated to sharing practical and clinically proven information all on the subject of of fasting. We'll have the latest, most up-to-date scientific evidence supporting fasting from Dr. Fung in the first week of each month. Invaluable input on incorporating fasting into your healthy, low-carb, and ketogenic lifestyle from me and Megan in the second and fourth weeks, and a special testimonial episode in the third week highlighting a fasting success story from Dr. Fung's Intensive Dietary Management Clinic in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Don't miss a single episode of this exciting new podcast for 2017 called Fasting Talk at FastingTalk.com. The brain is extremely rich in polyunsaturated fatty acids, as is the entire nervous system. 
So if we can understand how this happens and how they break down, then we can understand really how to prevent everything that we want to prevent. Um, so, well, where do they come from in the first place? So we have to eat, we have to eat them, they're essential. We can't manufacture them. So they get into our bodies when we have um, foods that contain polyunsaturates that have been heated, okay? So um, th this is why a lot of the people who are like into raw food are kind of onto something. That, um, and because any kind of heat will destroy these. Um, but the worst offender is not ordinary like food. It's not like, you know, eating some sunflower seeds that have a lot of polyunsaturated fatty acids or, um, or eating like grass-fed beef that has polyunsaturated uh, fat in the fat. Um, the worst offender are going to come from the processed vegetable oils because the way they're processed, there's massive amounts of heat. They strip out the antioxidants that would prevent all those reactions from occurring. And so they are um, nothing but bad. They give us almost no good. And so all this is is just a citation that says, if we eat these things, if we eat these oils and then eat them, then the lip LPO markers or lipid peroxidation markers, and this is just one of the HODE, that's one of those breakdown products from the previous slide. Um, you can see those in the blood. So they do get into the body because there was a question there for a while as to, well, wouldn't the intestine just screen them out when we protected somehow? But we're not, they don't, they get into our bodies. And that's where the problems begin. So this is um, what happens when they get into our lipoproteins. And this, this will help us understand how we can go a long way towards preventing arteriosclerosis no matter what we look at and see our lipid levels being. Um, so because if, if we're not eating this stuff, it's not going to get into our lipid protein, lipoprotein. So this is just uh, a sample lipoprotein. They're kind of all similar structural structure. This is LDL because it's a glob of fatty acids here that are encased by this like blue thing here. That's ApoB. That's the apoprotein protein coat part of uh, the particle that holds all the fats together. Um, and the, when the little balls are white, they're natural. And then as they oxidize, they're just indicated by different colors. So they become oxidized. So over time, if your diet has a lot of these and very little antioxidants, then you're going to get that. It's inevitable. Um, so that's, that's a bad thing. And then why is it bad? Well, because these, because this ApoB is recognized by this, um, yeah, ApoB is recognized by the receptor for ApoB, which is how these particles get into tissues, because they're not just meant to circulate in our bloodstream forever, they're actually meant to do something, and that is to feed our tissues. So to get into our tissues, the body doesn't even know what they are until it sees this. And when it sees that, whether it's got these other colored balls, you know, it's oxidized or not, it thinks it's a regular um, apoprotein, and it accepts it into the cell. And if you do that a lot, because these are oxidized, this is how that LDL becomes oxidized by an unknown mechanism. This is the mechanism, how you get fatty streaks. You, you're, you uptake these minimally modified LDL particles. So that's the minimally modified part. Um, and then I think this is just a, a reference essentially for what I just talked about. 
Um, now, if for whatever reason, that particle continues floating around in circulation, say you ate too much and it, there's really no tissues that are hungry, um, or for whatever reason you're a little bit resistant, you can't up, um, uptake it into your adipose cells, it's gonna stay in circulation too long. And it's gonna continue to oxidize. And then what happens is this blue belt here, that was ApoB, it becomes modified ApoB that your body no longer recognizes. And that's really, really bad because now nobody knows, your body doesn't know what it is anymore. It's in your arteries forever. Not exactly forever because eventually it's gonna cause trouble and I'll show you exactly how. So let me just kind of give you a little bit of um, more visuals on what's happening because this chemistry, you need some animation sometimes. So these cute little tennis ball things are the LDL and what's happening there is there's a cell is recognizing the ApoB, those are little LDL receptors, see they bind to it, um, and when they recognize it, and then you get enough of them binding, and then bloop, they're gonna go into the cell again. And so that's how it's supposed to work. That's the chemical intelligence that's built into the ApoB particle and the receptor. Now this is an example, this just happens to be an example of how you can get um, elevated LDL if you have damaged receptors, which you can get from um, genetic disease and probably also from eating badly. You can damage the receptors and that process doesn't work anymore. So the, L the lipoproteins cannot get into the, the cell and they stay in circulation too long. Um, and um, now when they are um, oxidized like that, when they had that, that oxidized ApoB that the receptors don't recognize, the only way they can get out of the bloodstream is by white blood cells recognizing them. Now, now they, they actually attract white blood cells. They, they are pro-inflammatory chemicals because they attract white blood cells. So white blood cells recognize them as bad. They, rec they, they kind of think maybe they're invading uh, bacteria or whatever. They just know that they're not good. And so they, the white blood cells come and gobble them up. And that's the, one of the ways that they can get out of your arteries if you have a lot of them in your diet. Um, so now I just kind of want to go over that uh, one more time um, just to drive home the point about what can happen and how this all leads to uh, fatty streaks and then heart attacks. So here's Joe lipoprotein. It could be a chylomicron, an LDL or HDL. Um, and he's not here to kill us. He's not put into our bodies to detonate and cause, cause us heart attacks one day. Um, his job is to carry these fats in here that are all supposed to be good stuff if we're on a healthy diet. And this is the, like sort of the, the version of the coating, the protein coat. And uh, it is, there's like, these symbols don't really mean very much to us, but our, our cells actually identify certain patterns in the protein coat. And that's, they have to recognize those patterns in order for that lipoprotein to get into the cell, as we showed. So, if you have too many dietary PUFAs or you don't have enough antioxidants, um, eventually what happens is that the fat that was in there, it has to end up lining an artery somewhere because nobody recognizes it. Either pro the protein coat is gonna degrade over time um, and then it's gonna fall out of circulation or it just falls out of circulation. Um, nobody really knows exactly what happens here. This is sort of my graphic illustration of what might happen. And then, oops, um, oh, uh, 
what, yeah, what's happening here though, is that if this were LDL, which in some cases it is, because like I said, it's Joe lipoprotein, could be any, any lipoprotein particle. Um, what happens is you can't measure him anymore. So you say you had an LDL number of like uh, 120, and then you feed people vegetable oil rich foods. You're gonna have more of these polyunsaturated fatty acids in here, and this is gonna fall out of circulation more quickly, and when you measure that person's LDL, it's gonna look lower than it did. And this is why uh, cardiologists still will tell you that you need to eat vegetable oils that contain these polyunsaturated fats because they lower your LDL. But look how it's doing that. It's lowering your LDL by causing a fatty streak. That's not what you want. Um, but the, the problem is that you know, these things are fleeting, they're hard to measure. So um, even though some of this stuff was published back in the 70s and 80s, it just hasn't made its way into the medical literature because as you can hear, it's like complicated, right? It's, it's not like sugar is bad, eat less sugar. It's like, well, these polyunsaturated fats that we need, they're unstable, they cause um, lipoproteins to not work right, and it's kind of complicated. So um, ultimately what happens is you get a lot of um, the fat depositing on the lining of the cell. So this is the bloodstream, this is the endothelial cell, very close up. Um, the oxidized fat attracts a white blood cell to try and clean it up. And um, if there's a lot of it, the, the white blood cells will actually get sick and um, excrete some of these inflammatory mediators. And this is, this is where you start to get that unstable plaque happening. So you have so much of this that's built up here. It's brought the white blood cells in. The white blood cells are trying to clean it up for us, but there's just too much. You can't clean it up. And besides, the stuff's really bad. It makes them sick too. So they you know, try to get more friends to help them out. But all of this activity here weakens the arterial wall. And that's the key because we know that heart attacks are not, are not blood, fat clogging up our artery. It's a weakening of the arterial wall that bleeds. And this is what that looks like in slow motion. Um, so you start to have you know, a little bit of a breach here of the uh, collagen supporting the lining of the artery. And um, fast action here. The starts to blow apart, but you see these little things here are platelets, and we're because collagen exposed to blood will attract platelets. It will make platelets, which are the little things that clot your blood, it will make them stop flowing and, and start clotting blood so you don't bleed to death. And it works, you don't bleed to death, but your artery is blocked. And if it was an important artery in your heart, you have a heart attack. If it was an artery in your brain, you have a TIA. So the same mechanisms are at work, more or less. Um, so the bottom line is, really, it's not the LDL. It's not the size of the LDL. It's not the HDL. It's not the minimally modified. It, it's, the, it's not the trucks. It's the cargo. Okay, it would be kind of like if we had like a rash of um, terrorists you know, pulling up in trucks and blowing up buildings and the detectives were like, well, okay, these yellow trucks seem to blow up. Maybe we should just outlaw yellow trucks. Nobody buy a yellow truck, no paint, yellow, nothing, yellow bad. And they try that for a little while and that doesn't really help because it's not really catching 
problem. And so you can see how this is kind of like where we're at. We keep changing the story on what is the problem with causing heart disease because we're looking at that we're stuck with this idea that some kind of lipoprotein particle has to be bad, but it's not that. It's what's in the lipoprotein particle. So if you have a lot of this stuff in your diet, these are all processed vegetable oils, processed polyunsaturated fats that in the factory where they extract them from the seed, they treat them very harshly and they alter them at the chemical level and they, ex they ruin all the antioxidants. So they have really very little chance of nourishing us. They also contain trans fat. And in Canada, they actually have to um, tell you how much fat is in there. So this is just like to prove that there really is trans fat as well as other abnormally shaped polyunsaturated fatty acids. Um, in Canada, the Canadian um, oil, canola oil has, uh, they admit that to having 1.8 grams of trans fat even, you know, before you cook it. And then because they're reactive, when you cook with it, it will the number, the percentage of trans fat and other abnormal dangerous fats will magnify. So 1.8% doesn't seem like a lot, but it actually magnifies when you cook with it. So, um, so the chemistry can help us understand a lot of this stuff because these chemists are telling us things like diabetics do not have the oxidative defense system so that when, when they actually eat the polyunsaturated fatty acids, they absorb more of them because their intestinal lining doesn't have the glutathione and the other antioxidant systems in place that stop the uh, degradation uh, that, uh, of the fatty acids and, and can actually um, prevent it from being as bad. So if you're a diabetic and you eat this stuff, it's even worse for you, in other words. Um, it can also help us understand why men have heart attacks 10 to 15 years earlier than women. Because they have, uh, if you remember from the previous uh, slide, you have the polyunsaturated on top, you have iron making the whole thing go faster. Well, men have testosterone and it makes them produce more red blood cells. There's always more iron in their blood. And so they have something like 10 to 30% uh, more iron. So the reactions are going to be going more quickly in men. So men will get heart attacks earlier. Um, it also helps us understand that vegetable oils are not bad so much just due to their omega-6. Now, it's totally important to have a good omega-6, omega-3 ratio. But we need that omega-6. Our brain is made out of 15% dry weight of omega-6. The other 15% of the fatty acids of the brain are omega-3, but it's pretty equal. So we need those omega-6s. Um, and they're not, they're not inherently causing the problem. It's when they're oxidized that they're causing the problem. Um, and then another thing that the chemistry can help us understand is why does HDL go down? No one's really ever been able to explain that. Well, the chemists can because this is an LDL particle 
this is, these are all non-HDL particles. And so here's the fatty acids in the little balls and their, their coating is, is the protein coating. So this is all ApoB. And it's kind of an ingenious system because it's the same ApoB that, that just gets wrapped more tightly as the ball gets smaller as it's delivering fat. So it's, it looks relatively bigger there. But it's, you can see that it's snagged onto that thing really tightly. It's not gonna let go no matter how small this gets or how badly oxidized they are. Whereas HDL particle, we know this, that what happens when these um, uh, glycate, when sugar gloms onto it, when you're diabetic or pre-diabetic, is this thing just falls off. And this is how we identify that this even is an HDL particle. So without that, we can't measure it. So it's still in the bloodstream somewhere. We just don't see it. And um, the interaction between high blood sugar and these polyunsaturated fatty acids, polyunsaturated fatty acids actually make high blood sugar worse for us because of the oxidative stress. That's the connection there. So if you have a lot of polyunsaturated fatty acids in your diet, sugar is going to be more toxic to you than it would be if you had fewer polyunsaturated fatty acids in your diet. Um, so you can have a little bit more sweets if you can pay attention to those oils. So just real quickly, um, we'll, I'll go over how I interpret um, what, I, what I tell people when I see this. So um, obviously this is above the normal limit. And one thing that I like to do is um, to try to get a sense of what really matters, which is are those particles, are they healthy or not? It's not so much their size, are they healthy? Are, you know, what's in them? I can't really tell, obviously, unless we do a diet. But we can sort of... Um, indirectly tell by doing a little bit more sophisticated um, lipid test called advanced lipid um, testing. So you can either do NMR or um, VAP, um, and they cost around $200 instead of like 40. Um, and so what you get there is the different particle, a little more detail about the different particle sizes. And what I look for is remnants and, um, and or pattern B. But we almost never see pattern B unless somebody's a full-on diabetic. We almost never see pattern B unless they also have um, low HDL and high triglycerides. But what is this? Because he's got some um, remnant lipoproteins. That's probably not good. Some small remnants here. Um, a little bit too much LP, little a. So this is kind of an in-between state where somebody is not a diabetic um, a lot of doctors don't even want to do this advanced testing because they say it doesn't give you any new information because if you just really, you're just looking for the triglyceride to HDL ratio. But I find that this is helpful because this guy is, doesn't have an abnormal ratio, but he has a lot of these little bitty particles, which to me indicate that circulating in his bloodstream are damaged uh, lipoprotein particles that are not able to get endocytosed or picked up by the cell because they're not recognized by the cell anymore because they're oxidized, they're damaged because there's too much polyunsaturated fat in the diet. So even though this guy does have a little bit of prediabetes going on, again, he doesn't have that, that low HDL, high triglyceride ratio. So it's, I, I still like to, you know, to understand what's going on in the best way really to understand. So with this, I can tell him, yes, you have a problem. You need to change something because these, these, lipopro these LDL particles that you have are not healthy. They're probably breaking up in your bloodstream 
and leading to um, heart attacks and strokes. And so what I do is I take a little more detailed diet history, and what we see here is that he's, he um, does eat out, um, probably getting deep fried chicken there. All restaurants deep fry in these terrible polyunsaturated fatty acids, extremely toxic, um, and, and he's not getting a lot of veg, as they say in England, um, which means vegetables, explain to me. <laughs> um, so this is about it on his Whataburger. Um, so the, the antioxidants help us to deal better with these polyunsaturated fatty acids that we cook with. And it's important to understand that because when we are having fish oil, when we're eating fish and we're cooking our fish, when we're getting um, uh, grass-fed animals, we're gonna be getting polyunsaturates in there, and then when we cook them, they're gonna oxidize a little bit. And the more vegetables that we have containing antioxidants, the better we'll be able to handle those toxic reactions. We actually can stop them in their tracks. That's what antioxidants do. They stop that breakdown of those polyunsaturates into the toxic fats that damage our enzymes and all that bad stuff. Um, so I think I'll probably stop there. <laughs> Thank you. Coming up next time on the Live in La Vida Low Carb Show, we have one more week of Low Carb Veil lectures for you, and we start off with Emily Schramm. Get show notes for today's episode at theliveinlowcarbshow.com. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review at iTunes. Thanks for listening to the Live in La Vida Low Carb Show. We'll see you next time. Disc.